0: Welcome, here at The Bridge Church, we exist to help you connect to God, grow with family, and serve our city. We hope today's message will allow you to grow deeper in your connection to God. Enjoy the message. Let's look to the Lord together. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the chance just to worship you, just to be in this place and cry out to you and tell you how much we love you. God, we thank you that There have been songs articulated about your faithfulness, and God, we get to sing them to you, and now we are in a room together after having had a week where we've been individuals trying to go against the current of society, and here we are together wanting to worship God together, and that we're all over the place spiritually here today, God. None of us are at the same place, God. And so because this is not just a one-on-one conversation, but this is a room filled with different people at different places, there must be an intercession, someone that speaks beyond my words, that customizes himself for each individual in this room. And so the only help we have to hear from you is the person and the work of the Holy Spirit that speaks beyond what man can say. And he speaks with power and precision And so, God, I pray that your presence would be so clear here that people would walk away as if their thoughts have been revealed to them, that their hearts have been revealed to them, because they've been in the presence of a mighty God, of a holy God. Now, God, we pray that you would do just that, that you would speak, and that we'd rest on that and that alone. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Good to see everybody. So good to be in the house of the Lord again. I've been gone for two weeks. I was sick last week, and, uh, but I heard Rich tore it up last week. Uh, yeah. Praise God. You know, it's so crazy. Uh, I remember meeting Rich and Emmy Bowman several years ago, and I remember them telling me that, uh, Rich in particular, telling me that he would never preach, And that he would never pastor. It was like a month after meeting them, he made it very clear, I'm never going to preach, I'm never going to pastor. Now he's pastoring and preaching uh, because um, man makes the plan, but the Lord directs his steps. And so, um, but that's not just for, um, for Rich's life. That's for all of our lives. That when we really put our lives in the hands of the Lord and we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. He will direct our path. He will make our path straight and he will take us to places we could not imagine on our own. I want to do something real quick here. Um, Is Marika here? Marika and Brandon, why don't you guys come up here real quick? Without a big to do, because we gotta preach a sermon here, Marika and pra- Brandon are pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, as you, as, you, as you know, they've been married for like a week, and so, they're on that rabbit ministry, so we just praise God for what he's doing in this place. And um, so, no, so uh, uh, I don't have a microphone for you, but uh, how many months are you? Four. four months, four months, four months, okay, all right. And you don't, you don't know if it's a boy or a girl game, right? Okay, all right, all right. So um, I'm not gonna pray right now, we'll pray out at the end. But uh, can we give it up for the Lord for Brandon and Marika? Woo! Love you guys. Woo! Love you, Marika. Okay. Now, we have a couple here that have been uh, members here, and uh, uh, a guy named Justin Matera and Heather Matera. They actually, uh, he pastored a church before, and they were really here for our church for just a little while because they were getting ready to plant a church. So Justin and Heather, could you guys come up real quick? And Heather is pregnant, praise God. And uh, due in June? July, due in July, okay. And... um, You guys will begin having Bible studies coming up this summer. Is that right? Yes. And you don't have a name for the church yet. You do have a name. This is the big reveal. What is is the name of the church? Zion. Zion. (laughs) Zion. Praise God. Zion. Okay. (laughs) Bible. Your church will be out in Sunset Park. Bay Ridge, that's right. But you pastored a church in Sunset Park, yeah, yeah, yeah. and now your church is going to be out in Bay Ridge. That's right. And uh, you have a website, reachingmillennials.org. Yes. And so um, if you have friends out in the Bay Ridge area, yeah. you might want to send them your way. And you're going to launch Sunday services in September, right? Okay. So I'm going to pray for you guys at the end, but can we give it up for this couple? Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. Bless you, bro. Appreciate you. Yeah. So it's really cool to see God just launching people out and doing great things, people having babies and stuff like that. So, um, And our our church, church it's really cool. I mean, we we started with two people, and God has been growing us, and God is growing us numerically, and God is growing us spiritually. But so as we keep moving, and we've been talking about a lot of different things. We talked about the Holy Spirit, and we talked about what your identity is. But here is a roadblock that we've got to deal with. You can talk spiritually. Spiritually profound, but there is a very good chance you could talk spiritually profound, but still be emotionally immature. In fact, be an immature emotional mess, and people not know it. And so we have got to get to the place where your ever-changing emotions do not ever change you, where you master your emotions and your emotions don't master you. And so part of the problem that we have to get to is that we must manage what's happening inside of us. You know, the Bible talks about the place where we get emotional, where our emotions come from, and it comes from our heart. And the heart is kind of like that. there was a driver's seat. The heart is in the driver's seat. The heart is the control center of who we are. Why we do what we do comes from our hearts. And so that place of your heart though it's a place where you can feel strong about certain things, the Bible says this um, in Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17 says, the heart is deceitful above all things beyond cure. Who can understand it? So what that means is that the the, the heart can make you feel a thousand percent right about something, and you could be a thousand percent wrong. In fact, the heart is so manipulative that it can make you feel right about something and you know it's wrong. You know good and well it's wrong. But the heart has this dynamic way of conjuring up in you manipulative desires and causing you to fall into places and in many ways living subtle lives of regret. And so we have to learn to manage the way that we are feeling. We have to learn how to look inside of us and control what's happening inside of us. Part of the way the culture kind of lies about this is that it tells us that we should, in many ways, just reflect the way that we feel emotionally to the world. You know, just be in this raw place. In fact, there is a subtle sense of strength if you just are real raw and honest with people about the way you feel. But then there's another manipulative form of strength. And that is when you reject who you are emotionally and you act like you're not in pain. Both of those are two sides of the same coin in that there's a subtle mask that you put on. And part of the The reason why we are that way is because many of us didn't grow up in the homes we should have. Many of us don't have the kind of secure relationships that we want. And so the level of insecurity that we have, and so we learn to put on the mask for many of us at an early age. You know, when we say the word hypocrite, oftentimes we think of someone living a double life. But hypocrisy in antiquity, in the Roman era, really was someone who would put on a mask and they would play act, they would be in theater, and they would put this mask on, it might have a smiling face, but underneath was the real person. So hypocrisy is a false face, a face I put on on stage because I know it works. And so what we learn is to put on a mask, we learn to put on a face, And what God is calling us to do is to learn how to get underneath that mask and get to the real person. And so we're not necessarily called to just reject the way we feel or reflect the way we feel. We are called to look inside of us and be responsible. In other words, we are able to respond how God has called us to respond. You are are responsible for your emotions. Your response to the world is your job. You must look inside of you and give people a sense of someone who is controlled and not giving their raw thoughts, raw feelings, or pretending they're someone that they are not. Part of what God has been doing ever since the creation, has been getting us to look at who we are. You know, in the Bible, there is this beautiful picture of creation where you have man and woman being created. And when man and woman are created, God says they are good. And he puts them in this field of bounty where there are fruit and trees. And he says they can have everything they want, and there's just one thing they can't have. One tree and the temptation of our souls, the moving towards that one tree. And the Bible says essentially that in that moment, corruption and sin entered into the world. Deception entered into the world in that moment. And it was in that moment that we began to live in this false face, in this world of having to hide who we are. And after the man and the woman ate of the tree, The Bible says that they sowed fig leaves and before they had a God consciousness where they only had their minds set on God and being with God, but then they became self-conscious and they began to be concerned. In fact, it says they became aware that they were naked and the man looked at the woman and the woman looked at the man and they became concerned about the way they looked. And before they were totally free in the presence of God. And in this moment, God does something. God, 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 omniscient, God, omnipotent, God, all knowing God, asks them a question. Genesis 3 and 9 and 10. The Lord God called to the man and he says, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. And I was naked, and I hid myself. And in that one moment, we see Adam, honest. I'm hiding from you. I'm ashamed of what I've done. And so I don't want you to see me for who I really am. But God's question wasn't trying to actually find Adam as if he couldn't find him. God wanted him to actually wrestle with what he had done and where he was at. In many ways, God wanted him to look at himself with his fig leaves on and look at how he was hiding himself. Where are you, Adam? When I wake up in the morning and I feel my world crumbling underneath me, one of the first questions I ask myself is, where am I? What is going on inside of me? What is happening inside of me? Because I feel so many different things, and I can't articulate it. A child is a very, at a very raw place. They have no problem telling you the way they feel. But they can't tell you why. They need an adult to tell them what's happening inside of them. They need someone to help navigate their world with them. And So a child is honest. Animals are honest. Lions don't put on a mask. They do what they do. They eat. They have sex. They run. They do what they do. Humans are the only animals that can create a false face. It begins in this moment of sin where we begin to put on a mask. And even as I speak, many of you feel this tension. You're like, yeah, I know what that's like. I know what it's like to hide, and I know what it's like to want to navigate my emotions. But in many ways, we don't know how, because the feelings are so strong. This week, my dad came into town. Um, I am James C. Robertson III. And uh, so, you know, I've, I've been following my dad's footsteps my whole life. My dad's a preacher. My dad graduated from a, with a Ph.D. from Fordham University, and uh, so he's a really smart dude. And um, when I was younger, my dad really supported my football life, but um, he gave me an opportunity at a church, and I decided not to go to that church, and I kind of went a different route in my ministry career. And so I've always wanted my dad to just kind of like see what I'm doing now. Because when he was on the football field, when I was on the football field, my dad celebrated everything I did. But when I went into ministry, that changed. And this week, it was kind of crazy. My dad has never come and visit me in Brooklyn. I've been here for three years, and he's never been to the church. And so we, he, he surprised me. He pulls up, and I see him with my stepmom, and they, they come to my apartment. He's never been to my apartment. I'm like, hey, come on in. I mean, oh, my God, Dad. Uh-huh. Snap. Look around. 700 square feet. <laughs> and my dad comes in, and he's with his wife, my stepmother, and um, we're there, and we go out to eat, and so we're talking, and, and I started to notice something. We were talking, and I, you know, talking about all types of stuff, and the kids, and I said, "Um, Dad, we're we're getting ready to launch another campus in September in Flatbush, another campus. So this was successful, and we're going to do it again. Yeah, same thing, again. And he was like, oh, okay, okay, cool. You guys are growing. All right. I said, "Yep." I said, Dad, this Friday, we're moving from the 700 square feet to, like, 1,000 square feet, like a three bedroom apartment, man. Just crazy how we're doing that. <laughs> we are moving. He was like, oh, that's good. Oh, just bigger, for more, more space? I'm like, yeah, yeah. So, yes. And you know, Tarsha's pregnant. Tarsha's pregnant, as you can see. She's having a baby, and this is the third one of the two that you've seen, so, <laughs> that you don't visit. <laughs> so this is the third one. And it's a girl. It's another girl we're having. He's like, yeah, man, that's so good. So I'm like, awesome. Awesome. Right. And so my dad went and got a hair, he got a haircut and we hung out. And, and so he leaves and, you know, we're, we're sitting there, my wife and I. And uh, I was sitting down and my wife and I were talking. She was like, that was so good. I was like, it was good. I was like, but there's something I just I can't shake I was like, it was a good meeting, it was a good time, but why do I feel so unfulfilled from it? Like, what's going on? And I started to notice, I was like, you know what I was doing? I was manipulating the conversation to hear him say, good job. I was actually, like, trying to, like, fit things. I, I, I almost wanted to make stuff up. so that he would say, good job. And I couldn't fight it. And I almost, when he was driving away, there was a part of me that was like, did you hear? Did you hear all the things I said? Do you know all the things I'm doing? And why isn't what you all say to me enough why isn't what my wife says to me enough why am I still hungry why am I still hungry because I've been designed to hear well done and I cannot deny the hunger inside of me that hunger Because I am about to turn 40, but when I'm around him, I'm four. I revert back to that kid that when I was walking, and he taught me how to walk, and he said, good job. I still want that. It echoes in my soul. I want it so bad. And what do I do with that? What do I do with that? You know, the Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, 26, watch watch this, this is crazy. If you want to look inside, you have to look at the way you feel. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Whose wrath is it? Mine. I have to look inside of me at the anger that I felt don't sin. Anger is just an emotion that you have. It's actually a good emotion. Anger is a statement inside of you that says, I care about that. I find value in that. And he says, the Bible says, listen, you're going to get angry, but don't sin. So he says, work on it. It's going to be some time that goes by, but the key thing he says is don't give a place to the devil. And so the picture that we see there is that there is this moment of anger that you have, and you have two paths that you can go down. One path is this place where I look inside of me and see what I care about. And I begin to wrestle and deal with it and no, I am passionate. You know, I'm James T. Roberson III, and I am passionate about hearing well done. And I think what the Bible shows me is that my, my, my adequacy is in Christ. And I can hope in the Lord. And gosh, I think God called himself a father. So I have a father. And I can rest in his fatherhood. And his fatherhood is limitless, he's not limited. I like, I tell him things and he notices it. And the Bible says he's the father who sees in secret. So he doesn't even need me to like check myself and like give myself credit. He already knows. So he knows me. So I'm passionate about that. So I need to deepen my prayer life. I, like, need to talk to you about those things. But there's another place that the devil can go with you, and it's a place of bitterness. And that's not just with my dad, that's with you too. A very bitter place, a place where he whispers in your ear, the tempter, the accuser, the father of lies. Lying is his native tongue. There's never been a liar that has been as good as the evil one. You wanna find a good lie, you fill it with a lot of truth. And you slowly pull people in. And so he says, don't give them a place. And so he begins to pull you in. And he say, you know, your dad, he doesn't notice you. He doesn't care about you. You know what? You can't trust people. No, you can't. You're a pastor, man. People don't know what you go through. Your wife doesn't know what you go through. Nobody nobody really cares for you. Real talk. And quietly, I can get up here on stage and not trust any of you. In fact, I can walk up here with a deep sense of bitterness towards you and you haven't done nothing to me but the first person I was called to trust, I lost trust and I project that onto you. And the devil begins to steal relationships because I can't trust anybody. I can't feel free around anybody. I can't share anything because the first safe place I was, I learned to cover up. I learned to become defensive. I learned people leave. So I'm, I'm got to be got to have some distance between us. And the devil says you got to you got you you got you can't. And that place that it's talking about there is what we call a stronghold. A place where you can never be free. You can never be free. And this is as I'm talking, some of you are feeling the weight of this because You know, when when we come up in a home and we have these parents who are flawed people, we want to feel secure. And we have been waiting and we have been trying to replace those parents with jobs or money or success just to hear we are approved, just to hear we are valuable. And some of you, 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 some of you ladies, you, you tighten up that dress to hear, to, to, to maybe hear something, or to feel those eyes, to feel approval. Some of you work out just to feel that sense of attraction, or you work hard in that job just to know someone says you're valuable. And you are working from the echo of your parents. You are longing to hear something you haven't heard and you are angry, and you are bitter. And there is so much freedom there, though. As you look inside of you, you must begin to navigate those deep and dark places. You know, the um, another thing you have to do when you look inside of you is not just the way you feel, but you have to look at the things you say. He made me mad. They put me in the mood. You know, every time I get around them, I just can't help myself. You know, yesterday, this is a side note, this is totally free, this is a commercial break. I have a pet peeve. It is people who chew with their mouth open. I have deep, deep issues. There was a cat in the coffee shop that was chewing and it sounded like fireworks were going off in his mouth. He was just popping them, and I remember I was like, I'm talking about anger, and God is showing me my issues in this moment. And I remember I was just thinking to myself, man, this is, this is so crazy, but um, that had nothing to do with what I'm about to say. But, <laughs> um, but you know, you talk about people who, who put you in a mood, and you, you talk about they made me mad, They put me in a place. They made me feel a type of way. Ain't nobody make you feel anything. The only people that we put in places are children. We give adults opportunities, but children are forced to go places. And so when you say those things, the Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Have you ever heard anybody say, I'm going to speak from my heart? The Bible says you're always speaking from your heart. You're always, you're always talking from a real place of your heart. And so, so one of the th- key things that you have to begin to do is listen, begin to take a budget or an account of the things that you keep saying, the things that you keep complaining about, the people that you keep talking about, and you can begin to see what's happening in your heart. I texted my sister one time. This is like this is my own therapy session, so not sure how you guys are dealing with this. I'm I'm working through a lot right now. I, I text texted my sister. I texted my sister one time and uh, um, I just saw man. I was like, she was she was saying how, Dad, if you're listening, I I love you so much. But uh, I was texting my sister about how my, uh, my dad visited her all the time. And I was just writing. I was like, glad he visits you. And, I, and really what I wanted, I wanted to start a conversation about him. And she's like, oh, well, he never visits you? Nope. Yeah, you know. And, and I just went in on all these different things. And I looked back three months later, and I was like, I'm still in that place. I'm still talking about this. I still feel this way. I still say those things. But I've got to manage that. I mean, the day I remember I used, to, um, I used to call my dad every day and say, I love you, I love you, I love you, just waiting for him to say it back. And he never did. And there's a part of me that still indicts him for that, not knowing and not realizing that I'm waiting for him to say something his daddy never said to him. And never even thought to say to him. It wasn't even part of his world. And so maybe I'm giving people a job description they never signed up for. My response is my job. That's my job. My joy is my job. That's my job. I have to look inside of me. And I am not going to make other people responsible for what's going on inside of me. I'm going to grow up. I'm going to be a mature adult. And my maturity is going to be seen by how I look inside of me, me and Jesus. Or Jesus and I for you English majors. But we're going to look inside together. Now this is so important for so many of you because When I say these things about feelings, your feelings are so strong. And when I say these things about words, you have this abundance that you're speaking from. And I think one of the best pictures of this is David. David. David was a wild dude, man. David was very emotionally honest. David would say stuff like, bless the Lord, oh my soul. All that was in in me, bless his holy name. I'm so filled up with God. And then like in another song, David's like, God, take those babies and bash their brains into the rocks. And it's like, David, that's Prozac you need, boo. (laughs) David was crazy. But you see him where he's like, where are you, God? And then he's like, great is your faithfulness. So David is in a very emotionally honest space. But it seems like he always takes his issues vertically. He always begins to take his issues vertically. Now, I just wanna, I just, I need to pause. Just, I need to take a time out just for a second. Here's the importance of what I'm saying. Our church is filled with people who have been unchurched or undiscipled, you've never been in a healthy context before, or you know a lot of Bible, but it does not matter how much Bible you know or how little Bible you know, you can begin this process of contemplating with God what's going on inside of you today. You can begin that today today. It, that is, it does not take a master's degree to do what I'm telling you to do, to look inside. And you don't need, you can go to get counseling. I, I praise God because sometimes we need somebody to help us. But I'm saying the, the, one of the healthiest spaces of counsel is beginning with you and God. You and God. And this is a place you can begin. Now, why do I say that? Because I know people who are profound, articulate, intelligent. Ooh, they can exegete and expound and expose the word of God. But that word is all up in their mind and not in their heart. Because I can tell the way they act in conflict. I see the way their marriage plays out. I see the things they do. And conflict tells me the real story. I don't see real peace. I don't see real joy. I don't see real patience. I see wrath. I see jealousy. I see all those things in people. And we've made the fruit of the spirit knowledge and gifting when the fruit of the spirit is patience and joy, and we need to start looking at the right things inside of people. Because I can tell you right now how much you know does not impress me. I want to see love in your life. And you will begin to love people when you start feeling the love of God. And you start mining into your mess with God. You and him. Get a flashlight. and Open up that room with your daddy. And you look inside and they're like, this place is a mess. Me and Jesus are going to clean this up. We're going to start arranging things and start putting some order and some structure in here. Because... Because because I have been doing this for too long, and I am impressed less now. I am impressed less. I'm slower to be impressed now. (laughs) I'm much slower to be impressed now. I'm much slower. Because the man that I'm talking about my woundedness is a Ph.D., Are you looking in the inside? Are you looking on the inside? You and Jesus. Are you looking on the inside? Are you looking on the inside? It takes courage. Oh, it takes courage. It's not cur- it, it takes no courage to quote verses. But it is courageous to look in your fears. Okay, you struggle with porn. Start looking as to why. Start thinking about why you have to look at an image of a person that's not in the room. Start asking those questions with Jesus. And so the Bible says it this way. David, David in Psalm 42, he has this incredible, beautiful psalm. He says, why are you cast down? Does he say, is he talking about people in this moment? Is he talking about God? No, he's looking inside of himself. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And that word there means to be bowed, low, sad, distraught, frustrated. I'm I'm lonely and I'm I'm concerned and and I feel this heaviness. Why do I feel this way? Earlier in the psalm, he talks about when he used to lead the procession of praise. He used to be in here and he would sing songs like all of my life in every season. You're still God. I got a reason to sing. He used to be up here leading the song and he knows all the words to the song, but he can't change the way he feels. And so he's like, wait a minute. I remember when I used to lead the procession, but now I'm struggling so he says, why am I cast down, soul? And then he says, why are you in turmoil and turmoil? This in the Hebrew, it's like chaos raging winds and raging waters, stuff is all over the place inside of me and I just can't get my mind, I can't handle things, there's no order, why is there turmoil in me? And the reason why he's asking himself these questions is because his beliefs are so different. He believes that God is the God of shalom, peace. He believes that, but he has no peace. So he cannot understand why aren't the things I believe Adding up in me. I believe these things. So he gives himself an out. He says, Hope in God. Now, in the Bible, hope is this certainty that God is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do. And it is not like, I hope it'll be warm, I hope it won't rain. It is a certainty that. It is a certainty that with God all things are possible and that it is a sense of trust that I begin to give God, that I trust him. I trust you. I trust you. My dad came into town this week and I, golly, I don't know what's going on, man. I just, I'm so frustrated right now. And I want him to approve of me. But I look in the scriptures and I remember that one time G- when Jesus was baptized and he came up out the water. And, and you said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And God, if I have the righteousness of your son, then I believe that I don't have to live from the echo that is absence in my dad. I don't have to live from that echo. I can live from this verse. I can live from this truth that I am your son, that I am in the righteousness of Christ and you are pleased in me and my hope is in you. And I'm going to manage the turmoil inside me and I am going to look into my soul and I'm going to ask myself those questions. But I I'm going to praise God for who he is because the gap I feel feel in my soul can be filled by God. If I am dealing with a father wound, he is a great father. If I feel lonely, he will never leave me or forsake me. If I feel impoverished, he, he is my treasure. Everything that I am feeling cast down and turmoil about, it is a space to praise God for. And now, I want to be clear, because this is, this, is, this is the problem, like, so some of you come from a charismatic space, praise God for you, let's turn it up in here and all that, but one of the problems with that is that sometimes we, we just say, don't be cast down, don't be turmoil, praise God, and we start praising God, but it, there sometimes is a gap between how I feel and praise. Like, sometimes you have to do the work of hope, like you've got to dig deep down And look inside and look. First, you have to ask yourself, what is it I was hoping in outside of him? What was replacing you, God? What was taking up that space with you, God? And then you've got to do that heart work. You've got to look inside. And this is when you invite trusted people with you. And you take those two or three people, that one person, you say, listen. I tell Natasha, listen, this is what's going on inside of me. This is what I think. This is what I feel and you look on the inside. And now, I place my hope in God, I praise God, I trust God, and now when I see my dad, I see him, I see him and I feel full, filled up with my heavenly father. And he does not feel my bitterness. In fact, he feels my completeness. He feels my strength. And I'm not manipulating conversations. I'm content in him. I'm content. And yes, it still hurts. And yes, I still struggle. And I promise you, the next time we talk on the phone, I'm going to feel the rage of affirmation inside of me. I'm going to feel that rage. And I'm going to get off, and I'm going to do the same things again. And that will probably be going on inside of me till the grave. In other words, I've got to do heart work the rest of my life. A deliverance service ain't enough. You have to be able to do this as a daily, this is a daily work of looking on the inside with the Holy Spirit and working on you, begin to work on you therapists can help and people can help but if you don't do this work now 70% of our congregation is single don't expect marriage to complete this you are complete in Christ you need Jesus to help with these deep deep areas a man or a woman will bring their own baggage into the relationship so start working on you now with Jesus hope in God hope in God and then you are praising God for who he is Adam, Eve, Garden, the Lord says, where are you? And I wonder where you are at right now. Like on some real life, not trying to perform for other Christians type of hype. Where are you? What are the feelings that have been raging inside of you? And it's, it's not enough, you know, um, it's not enough to be at a place where we're just honest. See, I don't want you to just move to a place of honesty. Because in per, the millennial crowd in particular does not struggle with honesty. That's not the struggle. People just, they, if you want them to be honest about the way they feel, they will tell you. I want you to take ownership over your emotions. I want you to own your soul. I want you to manage what's going on inside of you. And I want you to have people in your life, but I don't want you to make them responsible for who you are. They are not responsible for you. You are responsible. You have the ability to respond to this world because you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And you and I will daily Transfer our trust from hoping in the things of this world and placing our hope, replacing our hope back in God. And that is a daily practice. Let's pray. Father, we feel such weight this afternoon. We feel the weight of this moment. And we ask you, God, We ask you, Holy Spirit, to give us the freedom, the power of the Holy Spirit to look inside of us. God, examine your people. And David would say, search me, O God, and know my anxious thoughts. Search me. And I will not make people responsible for who I am. And I will not lay my baggage on other people for them to manage me because I am going to be an emotional and spiritual adult. And Father God, I pray right now for there to be maturity in our people. Maturity. Maturity. Grow us to a healthy place. Let us examine the things that we are feeling, the things that we are saying and make us stronger. Make our single women strong, God. Strong in you. Make our single men strong in you. Make our couples strong in you. And let them put on display, an emotionally healthy adult. Holy Spirit, even now, as we sing God, help us take a look on the inside. In Jesus' name we pray. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. We'd love to hear how God used this sermon to speak to you. Please take a minute to email us your story. Our email address is info at bridgechurchnyc.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at BridgeChurchNYC or visit our website, BridgeChurchNYC.com. Thanks again for listening to this week's message.